Hello, good morning. Welcome to Church in the Valley. My name is Thad Lanthrop. I'm the administrative pastor here at Church in the Valley, and I'm glad that you're here with us this morning. Today we are kicking off a new message series. We're calling it Minor Prophets, Major Lessons. Um, and so I, I'm, I'm excited about this message series. Um, so I'll try to convey that excitement to you this morning. Um, but one thing that we're uh, going to do this morning, we are just going to cover a lot of ground. So we are going to look at what, what a prophet is, and then we're going to look at the whole book of Jonah this morning. So, so uh, I guess, you know, if we had seatbelts, put them on because we are going. So, um, but... One of the things, uh, as we get started on this series, uh, is just that in the Bible, um, there's some books that we call the minor prophets and the major prophets. And sometimes it's, it's kind of, um, it can be confusing. Like what, what is a minor prophet? What is a major prophet? I'm a baseball guy. So I immediately think, you know, minor leagues, major leagues are the, are the minor prophets trying to work up to be a major prophet? Is that what's going on here? Um, no, it's not really what's going on, but, um, so the minor prophets and and the major prophets, they make up a big section of the Bible and we are going to focus on the minor prophets, um, this, this, uh, message series. So there's an image up here that you can see. So this middle section, um, over here, you can see those are all prophet books. So those, the prophets are found in the old Testament portion of the Bible um, the, is, it, the Bible's written Old Testament, New Testament, and so you can find the, the prophets there. So what is a prophet? Um, I, I, uh, just completed my, uh, seminary this, this summer, and so I thought I would bring one of my seminary books to you. Hopefully it helps. Um, but here, here's the definition of a prophet, uh, found in the heart of Hebrew history. A study of the Old Testament book that, that I read this summer um, by H.I. Hester. So the prophets, they were powerful leaders of religious, social, and even political life in Old Testament history. There's three Hebrew words that are translated to prophet. The Old Testament was written in Hebrew, and so there's three words that are translated to prophet. Um, one is, now I'm not a Hebrew scholar, so I'm probably going to just really butcher these names, but uh, one is Roeh and, and Choseh. And uh, that is to see. And they convey like this, this idea of a man of, of vision. So that would be a prophet. And then the other one is uh, Nabai, uh, which is to announce um, it's per, or perhaps to bubble up. It represents the prophet as a speaker. So, so all of this goes to say, thus, the prophet is one who has received in a special manner a vital message and who must declare um, or speak. That message. So God used prophets in the Old Testament to go to people groups and to declare a a message that God had for those people. Um, A prophet was called by God to to deliver messages from God. So that clears up, you know, what a a prophet is. But what about this minor and and major thing? Well, the the major prophets are described as major just basically because their books, they were longer. Their books were longer. Um, and then also the content that's found in the major prophet books um, have a broad, even uh, more global um, in implications in the content. Whereas the minor prophets, those um, are shorter books. 
um, and the, the content's more narrowly focused in them. So in this message series, we are going to be taking a look at some of the minor prophets and pulling out the lessons that we can find um, from them that apply to our life today. Um, the minor prophets really give us a lot of, um, a lot of help and a lot of um, just, uh, I guess help is the right thing, of, of stories of how to live on mission um, for God with our lives. And so that's what we're going to focus on in this series is how can we live on mission for God? We all have a mission for our lives. We might not call it a mission or think of it as a mission, um, but we, we all have one. It's the way that we live our lives. You can usually find out what your mission in life is by um, how you spend your resources. Where's your time go? Where does your, your money go? Um, what do you get excited about? That's usually something that, that's a, a part of your mission in life, what you get excited about. Do you, excite, do you get excited about your work or your family or uh, trying to make more money or the, the ministry at the church or um, seeing people come to know Christ? These are all indications like if you're excited about that thing, then that's a part of your mission that you have for your life. And those are just a few examples. The list could go on and on of different things that people make the mission of their life. And this message series, it's a good opportunity to think through what is my mission in life? It's also, um, this message series will give you a good opportunity to think through, where did I get my mission in, in life? Sometimes we, we fall into just living a certain way and doing certain things um, because it's what our friends think is, are important or it's what the media tells us is important. Um, or it, it's just, you know, what's popular today. But what is popular today might not lead to a good life in 5, 10, 15, 20 years. And so we're going to take a look at the Bible, which has a lasting mission that will um, be, turn out good for your life, for, for your whole life and on into eternity. So today we're focusing on Jonah. Now, uh, a lot of times, you know, we're not, we're not major scholars on the, the prophet books. They're, they can be difficult to read sometimes because... Um, there's statements of God's judgment on people. There's also poetry um, and things. But Jonah is one of those that if you know anything about the prophets, you probably know a little bit about Jonah. Um, if you've heard of the, of the Bible story where the guy gets swallowed by the, the big fish, that's Jonah. So um, he's one of the, the more uh, popular stories that, that we hear. Um, but I want to focus on um, Jonah the, this morning, and a central theme that we find in Jonah is that God desires to give grace and mercy to people near and far. Now, this lesson, it, it's found at the end of the book of Jonah. And so I, I had friends in school who would read the end of the book first, and then they'd go back and read the, the beginning of the book on and I, for me, that's just, that, I, that's, that ain't right. You gotta, you gotta earn the end of the book. You gotta read from the beginning to the end. So it, this feels a little bit like that this morning. Um, but it will really be helpful if we start with the, the end here, um, in the end of Jonah. And then we'll go and we'll walk through the rest of the, the book. So Jonah 4.11 says, 
And should I and should not I pity Nineveh, that great city, in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do, do not know their right hand from their left? God is talking to Jonah here, and he's saying that he pities Nineveh. He will show grace and mercy to them. You know, these people didn't earn it. They, they were so confused, they didn't know their right hand from their left hand. That's, that's pretty messed up. If you can't figure out your right hand from your, your left hand. But God's grace and mercy, God wanted to communicate his grace and mercy through Jonah to these people. It, a lot of times in, in the prophets, his grace and mercy was communicated with warnings. It's communicated with with warnings that if you don't repent and turn from your evil ways, then you're going to face destruction. So another thing that will help this morning is just taking a look. What's, what is grace and mercy all about? What, what are we, we talking about when we look at grace and mercy? Well, God's grace is that he gives us what we don't deserve. God's grace is he gives us what we don't deserve. We all deserve eternal separation from God because we're sinners. He's perfect. He's holy. And that's what we deserve is eternal separation from him. But God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to live a sinless life, to die on the cross for our sins. And he was a sacrifice for our sins. And he restored our relationship with God. God gives us what we don't deserve that's his grace and then god's mercy is he doesn't give us what we do deserve that's god's mercy just like god gives us what we don't deserve he doesn't give us what we do deserve we deserve death destruction we really because of the sin in our lives and and what we have how we have chosen to not uh, walk in God's ways. We deserve death, destruction. That, that's what we deserve. But God allows good things to happen in our life, regardless of, of if we deserve it or not. That's his mercy to us. And we see this message of grace and mercy over and over again in the prophets. We see it in, in the book of Jonah. And one more major lesson that we find, that we learn in Jonah, is that God uses his followers to accomplish his mission. Um, now, here's the point where we're going we're gonna to go through the book of, the book of Jonah. And so um, we're going to start just cranking through it here. Um, but it starts off with Jonah 1, 1-1. One, one. That's amazing how that happens, um, that the book starts with the first part of the book. Um, but Jonah 1, 1 through 2 says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. So God wanted to send Jonah to Nineveh to call them to repent from their evil ways. And at this point, Jonah, he faced a crucial, crucial question. And his, the question that he faced is, Will I obey God and proclaim his love and truth to those around me? Am I going to obey? God told me to go to this place. Am I going to obey God and do that? Nineveh was the capital city of the Assyrian Empire. 
It's a very large city. It was um, the ultimate pagan capital. It was about 500 plus miles northeast of Israel. Jonah was in Israel. This was a long journey. It was a long trek. Um, it's, it, it was in modern day Iraq. And so it's, it's a desert place. It's a harsh journey to get there. And God is saying, Jonah, get up and go preach to these people. That is your mission. You're a prophet. That's what you're supposed to do. I'm telling you where to go to do this. Prophets, they preach, they, they warn, they pronounce judgment. That's what I'm calling you to do right now. But Jonah decides to go rogue. He decides to go his own way. He doesn't want to go to Nineveh. And we see this in verse 3. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish. From the presence of the Lord, he went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish away from the presence of the Lord. So Jonah, instead of obeying God, he goes to the nearest port. He pays whatever he has to pay to go the opposite direction. This is the opposite direction of where God is telling him to go. Why would he do that? What would cause him to, to go rogue and just, and just take off, go the other way? Well, Jonah hated the Assyrians. He didn't want to see the Ninevites repent. These were evil, wicked people. And in his mind, he, he thought they deserved the judgment that was coming to them. He didn't want to go there and give them the chance to repent and turn to God. The, the Ninevites, they were a brutal people. They were vicious. They were violent. They would massacre their enemies. They were known to mutilate prisoners. They were known to dismember and decapitate and burn people alive. This was an evil, evil, wicked, wicked people. And Jonah, he wanted nothing to do with them. He didn't want to, to, them to repent. He just had this bitter hatred towards the Ninevites. And his attitudes toward these Assyrian people, it brings up another key question for us to, to think about. The question is, will I pick and choose who to love, or am I going to obey God in loving those around me? Am I going to pick and choose who I, I choose to love, or am I going to obey God and love people even if I think they don't deserve it, or if I think that they're hard to love? In Jonah 4.2, we see this attitude that Jonah has. He says, Jonah is talking to God here, and he says, For I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, and relenting from disaster. Jonah is saying, I knew if I went and I said this and they repented that, that you are gracious, you are merciful, you would um, turn your wrath from these, these people. And on one hand, this is a really encouraging thing. God is gracious. He's merciful. That's a big relief to us because we've all chosen to go our own way from him. We've all chosen to sin. Sin is just missing the mark that God has us for, for life. We find that mark in the Bible and how God tells us to live. And we've all chosen to go our own way from that. And so it's a big relief to see God is gracious towards the, this evil people. 
and he's merciful toward them. On the other hand, we can learn a lot from Jonah's heart here in this situation, his heart towards these, these people. It shows us a lot about us and our hearts if we're honest with ourselves. And it, asks, it, it can cause us to ask a question. Do I have any Ninevites in my life? Let that sink in. Consider who this might be in your life. Are there people in your life that you think, if God told me to go share a message with them, if God told me to to love these people, to invite these people into my home, to, to do life with these people, would I really want to do that? Would I really do that? Or would I just say to God, you know, I must not be hearing you correctly. I'm going to go over with these people that that I, I like more. You know, we get along, we mesh, we bond. For some, your Ninevites, they, they, it might be people who've done wrong to you in the past. You're holding a grudge. You don't want to really share with them. You don't want to, to be around them. For, for other, other people, it, it might be family or extended family where relationships have got, gotten broken. And they, they might have become your Ninevites that you don't want to share God's message with, his love. How do you pick and choose who you love and relate to? Those are the questions that we have to ask ourselves. All right, now we'll, let's go back to Jonah. Here's where we're going to really pick up some steam on the, on the story. So God was fully aware of Nineveh's sin. And their pagan ways. But God was extending an opportunity for them to turn and to change. God was, he was choosing mercy. But Jonah didn't want to choose mercy. He didn't want to go that way. So Jonah, he gets on the ship. He's going the opposite way that God told him. And God brings about a great storm on this ship. I was on a boat yesterday. And there wasn't a great storm. But any time... The wake just gets a little, you kind of feel like, you feel uneasy. So if there's a great storm, I, I can imagine that these guys are just contemplating life at a whole nother level. They are trying to think through, okay, wh- what's going on? This might be it. Well, the people on the ship, they just, they start to try to figure out, okay, what's going on? Why is this storm? How can we get out of it? And then they realize this started when that guy Jonah got on the ship. So they go to Jonah. In Jonah 1, 8 through 12, they say, Then they said to him, Tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us. What is your occupation, and where do you come from? What is your country, and of what people are you? And he said to them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly exceedingly afraid and said to him, What is this that you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. Then they said to him, What shall we do to you that the sea may quiet down for us? For the sea grew more and more temptuous. He said to them, Pick me up and hurl me into the sea. Then the sea will quiet down for you. For I know it is because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. 
It's interesting here. He, he doesn't try to bargain with them to turn the ship around to, to go back to land. He says, throw me in the sea. I'd rather die than, than to turn back and go to Nineveh. So they throw Jonah off the ship. Jonah 1.17, then the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. This is the, the part of the story that, that you know, you've probably heard. Of all the ways that God could choose to try to redirect Jonah, he chooses a great fish to swallow him up and rescue him from the storm that was going on. It's just hard to imagine. But God chooses to work in supernatural ways in some, in some situations. And he chose to send this fish to swallow Jonah. And there he was for three days, cold, wet, probably a pretty painful experience. Stomach acid, oceanic pressure. I'm not going to think about it too long because I might get woozy. But there he was in the fish. And God uses this to really rattle Jonah. He rattles him. He, 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 Jonah realizes, I, sh- I shouldn't have run. And Jonah starts to pray. And he pleads and he thanks God. And ultimately, he worships God. His only hope is in God at this moment. And look at what he says at, at the end of, of uh, chapter 2. Chapter, Jonah chapter 2. Nine, verses 9 and 10, he says, But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. So this is what he says as he's praying inside of the fish. Look what the Lord does. And the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. Now that would be a scene to be at. You know, we got the beach day coming up. You're at the beach. And all of a sudden, a guy comes out of a fish and he's alive. That would be a memorable situation. So after this, God basically says, okay, let's try this again, Jonah. Jonah 3, 1 through 2. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and call out against it. It, the message that I tell you. This time he goes straight to Nineveh. He's not messing around this time. Straight to Nineveh. And he called out in verse 3, the, the end of uh, verse, in chapter 3, the end of verse 4. He called out, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. He's saying, turn from your evil ways. 40 days destruction is coming upon you because of your ways. And the most amazing thing happens. Look at Jonah 3, 5. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast and put on sackcloth. From the greatest of them to the least of them. Even the king issued a decree. And in, in, in take a look at what he said. And he issued a proclamation and published through Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, let neither man nor beast, herd, nor flock taste anything. Let them not feed or drink water, but let men and beasts be covered with sackcloth, and 
Let them call out mightily to God. Let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who knows? God may turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. King knew they were in trouble. God is saying 40 days, destruction is coming. So he leads his people to repent. And he did, he did it out of a fear of, of the Lord and what God could do. It's an interesting note here is to look at what Jonah's message was. Jonah's message wasn't, God says he loves you. He loves you just the way that you are. You'll be okay. That wasn't his message here. His message was, guys, you are in serious trouble. You are making decisions. You are making choices that go against God's ways, against God himself. You need to repent. You need to turn. That's the message that Jonah has for these people. And that's the message that Christians have today to, to non-believers. When people stop going their own way in life and start to turn God's way, that is repentance. And God responds to the Ninevites as they turned their ways and repented towards God. Jonah 3.10 says, When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them, and he did not do it. This is a really encouraging part of the story of Jonah. This is, is showing, this was an evil, wicked people. And God, uh, God chose to not destroy them. He chose to let them repent and come back to himself. This is hope for all of us. We can all repent, no matter how, how far away we think we are from God, how many th- things we've done to mess up. God will forgive us of our sins. If we ask for his forgiveness, we turn and we repent from them to walk with him. And then we see this again. It's interesting. Jonah's been through this whole situation. He's been through in the fish. He comes out. He goes to Nineveh. But he is still frustrated that God saved these people. He still doesn't want them to turn and repent. And we see this in the verse that we looked at earlier, Jonah 4, 2. For I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Jonah is saying, I knew you would do this, but I didn't want you to. I didn't want these people to turn to follow God. But God shows his mercy and his grace when he responds to Jonah in verse 411 that we looked at earlier. And should not I pity Nineveh, that great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left? God will show his grace and mercy to these people. That's what he's saying. It's interesting to see Jonah's reaction. Here he is. He's gone through this this great ordeal and he still has a hard heart toward these people this gives us a good glimpse at what it takes to stay on mission with god staying on mission 
means that we obey God and we proclaim his love and truth to those around us. And we have to continue to do that. We have to continue to see what, where is God telling me to go to proclaim this, this truth. Because it's easy for our hearts to turn. And even if we are sharing the truth, the message, the gospel of Jesus with these people, it's still easy to harden our hearts towards them. God is gracious. He's merciful. He offers this free gift of eternal life to all who repent from their sin and choose to walk in his ways. And that's the message that, that we have, the privilege to share with people today who don't know Christ. The message that the Christian has to share, it's, it's of ultimate importance. It's, it's an eternal life or death message that we get the privilege to share with people who don't know God. The message is admit that you're a sinner. You know, we all are. Just admit that you're a sinner. That you've tried to do life on your own way rather than, than God's way. Repent from your sins. Commit your life to follow God, to follow him. And when you do that, your relationship with God, it, it's restored. You get to spend eternity in heaven rather than, than an eternity of torment in hell. Now, this eternal life or death message that we have to share, if you're a, a Christian, this is the message that we have to share. Sometimes we, we choose not to share it because it, it, it can be hard. It takes work to share this message. Or we, we don't like the people that God's telling us to share it with, like Jonah. Or whatever our excuse might be to not share the message, we have a lot of them. But the question that we have to ask ourselves is, will I do what God wants me to do no matter what? Am I willing to make God's mission my mission? It costs us something to share this message with people. The message that, that people have to repent, they have to change, that's an offensive message in the American culture today. But Jonah reminds us, this story reminds us that the Lord's purposes are going to prevail. His ways are going to happen. And God wants to send us out to share his message with people. Will we go? Will we go and share the message with people? God's love, he wants to share it with everybody. He wants to share his grace and his mercy. And he uses us to do that. And so we got to go. We got to go love whoever God puts in our path. However we might feel towards them. And we have to let God use us in the ways that he wants us and with the people that he puts in our lives. As I wrap up this morning, I'd like to invite the, the band up on stage. And um, there's a couple next steps that I'd like you to consider in response to the message um, today that you might want to take. The first is um, maybe you want to read the, the book of Jonah and ask God to change your heart towards people. Maybe God's shown you some people that you have a hard heart towards. And so read the whole book of, of Jonah. It's only four chapters. It's not too long. Um, remember, it's the minor prophet, the shorter book. Um, so, but that might be a next step that you want to take today. Um, another next step that you might want to take today is, is just to, to share the message with somebody. 
this week. And you, maybe there's a name on there that, that you know you can share the message of the gospel of Jesus with somebody this week. Or you can invite them into your home to get to know them better and just to have them over for a meal. Or another next step might be that you want to investigate how to begin a relationship with God. Um, if you check that box, we'll, um, somebody on staff will make sure that you get some resources for investigating what it means to have a relationship with God. That might be a next step that you have this morning. Would you pray with me as we continue to worship? God, we just thank you so much that you are a gracious and merciful God. We thank you for the grace and mercy that you have shown us. And we thank you for the story of Jonah and just the the, um, helpful example that it is. And just um, that you do want us to live on mission for you. And we just pray that you would help us to do that this week. Pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.